Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today, I want to go into part two of Being Real the Right Way, a godly perspective on honesty. And in the last episode, we talked about the difference between counterfeit honesty and biblical honesty. Before we dive in, I wanted to remind you that our Set Apart magazine is now being released four times a year. So if you're not already a subscriber to our print magazine, I encourage you to go to setapartgirl.com and click the magazine tab and learn about this beautiful resource. It's just an amazing addition to your quiet at times, your Bible studies. It's a wonderful way to share the set apart message with women in your life. And if you are not able to subscribe to the print version, there's also a digital subscription as well as an online mentoring course that you can choose to be a part of. So we have lots of resources for you to take this Christ-centered life even farther. Also, if you are looking for a season to come away with Jesus, we have a few spots left in our five-week training here at Ellerslie in Colorado this September. So if you are thinking about just wanting to get away and focus on Jesus, go to ellerslie.com and learn about our five-week program that is starting in September. That's Ellerslie, E-L-L-E-R. R-S-L-I-E.com. We would love to see you this fall and to invest into your spiritual life. Let's dive into part two of being real the right way. Now, as a review, last week I shared the story from Corey Ten Boom's book, Tramp for the Lord, how she portrayed this beautiful virtue of godly honesty in a specific situation where everyone thought so highly of her and thought she was so unselfish, and God really convicted her to share and be real about the fact that she struggled with selfishness, but also to share about the victory, the forgiveness that she had found in Jesus. So, It was just this beautiful demonstration of honesty, but also not leaving out the power and the hope that comes through Jesus Christ. And so often in the modern church, the kind of honesty that is being emphasized is more of a counterfeit honesty, not really biblical honesty. So last week, we talked about the difference between venting versus discretion. A lot of times as women, we are taught to vent our emotions, to express whatever we're feeling and in any situation and on social media, and that can cause so much damage. When we are honest according to God's pattern, it builds greater unity in the body of Christ, and it builds a greater confidence in who God is. But when we are embracing a counterfeit form of honesty, and we're just letting our emotions and our feelings and our struggles just out there for all the world to see without really blending it with that godly virtue of discretion and guardedness, it can do so much damage to people's perception of God and to relationships within the body of Christ. I want to look at two more ways that we can choose biblical honesty over counterfeit honesty in our daily lives as Christian women. And so the first one I want to tackle today is criticism versus honor. So last week we talked about venting versus discretion. We are not ever to just vent our feelings without restraint. As as the Bible says, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. So there's this beautiful element of guardedness that God has called us to. While it's not always wrong to share with other people things that we're concerned about or things that we're walking through, it has to be balanced with that godly virtue of discretion. The same is true with criticism versus honor. So we have two different ways that we can speak openly about the faults we see in other people, and one is to criticize and gossip 
relationship. And the other is to speak about those concerns with the right people in an honorable way. And I have learned the hard way that there's really a fine line between honesty, true honesty, and gossip and criticism. Several years ago, a close friend of mine began openly sharing with me all of her hurts and concerns towards certain people that both of us knew. Everything she shared was done under the banner of asking for my advice and my prayers, but I soon began to realize that because the way she was sharing had a very critical undercurrent to it, I had begun to harbor suspicion and even take up second party offenses toward the people that she was telling me about. Finally, I had to ask her to stop her open and honest sharing, her raw and real sharing about the faults that she saw in all these people which in reality was more just spiritually veiled gossip and criticism because it wasn't breeding anything healthy in my life or in her life, even though it was done under the banner of authenticity and realness and and honesty. It's very common for Christians today to discuss the weaknesses of others under the banner of honesty. Sometimes fault finding is even disguised as care and concern and, and sympathy for the person who's being criticized. But we need to remember that no matter how spiritual the language we use to cloak it, gossip and criticism are never God-honoring. I love what Amy Carmichael wrote about this. If I can easily discuss the shortcomings and sins of any other, if I can any way slight another in conversation or even in thought, then I know nothing of Calvary love. It's so clear in scripture that honor and not criticism is what hallmarks godly honesty and godly womanhood. In fact, one of the key qualities that we see in the Proverbs 31 woman is that the law of kindness is on her tongue. That's in Proverbs 31, 26. And that is the opposite of a critical fault-finding spirit. So counterfeit honesty in this case would say it's healthy and healing to share your offenses and your concerns about others because you need to process those things with other Christians. Biblical honesty takes a different approach. The Bible says a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. That's in Proverbs 16, 28. And also Proverbs 19, 11 says it is to one's glory to overlook an offense, not to bring a whole bunch of attention to an offense, but to overlook an offense, which of course requires the enabling grace of God, because in our flesh, we want to harbor that offense and we want to shine light on it and show other people this terrible offense and fault find with others. It just somehow makes us feel good in our flesh, but it is opposite of God's pattern. Now, there may be times when it is necessary to voice concerns about another person who's walking in sin or when we need to seek counsel about a certain issue that involves other people. But really, that should be the exception and not the pattern for our lives. It shouldn't be taken lightly, and it should only be done after a lot of focused prayer rather than just spewing it out in the heat of emotion, as we talked about in the last episode. And really, most concerns towards others should be mainly be taken to people in a position of authority like parents or mentors or pastors or counselors. And the information that's shared should be hallmarked by honor toward the other person, never with the intention to malign or gossip or slander or criticize. Amy Carmichael had an amazing ministry in India, and she and her fellow missionaries really were involved in life or death rescue work over the lives of so many children. And because of that, their unity as a team was always under attack. They had to make a purposeful effort to protect what she called the vital unity that they shared as Christians. They did this by honoring each other with the words they spoke about each other, and they made criticism taboo. 
Amy wrote this, It often appears to us that there is nothing except our private walk with God which is more detested and assaulted by the devil than this beautiful, happy thing, the loyalty that is the basic quality of vital unity. We made one careful rule. The absent must be safe with us. Criticism, therefore, was taboo. What other way of life can satisfy the heart that is set on living in the ungrieved presence of its Lord? The very thought of Him shames unkindness. I really think those words express probably the most important antidote against criticism and gossip and maligning others, and that is to take our eyes off ourselves, off of our own offenses and hurts and emotions and pride and preferences, and fix our gaze upon Jesus instead. When we remember how much He has sacrificed, how much He he has given, how much He has suffered for us, we realize that criticizing and attacking each other is utterly shameful and foolish. It's dishonoring to Him. He asks us to love each other with a pure heart fervently, as it says in 1 Peter 1, 22. And this is how we demonstrate that we truly love him by loving one another, as it tells us in 1 John 4, 20. So counterfeit honesty that criticizes and gossips towards other people has no place in light of the cross. If we keep the cross in our focus, our words will naturally honor others and honor Jesus in the process. Another key point between counterfeit honesty and biblical honesty is the principle of defeat versus victory. So we've talked about venting versus discretion. We've talked about criticism versus honor. Now I would like to talk about defeat versus victory. Honesty has been redefined by popular Christianity oftentimes as simply being open about and accepting of spiritual defeat in certain areas of our lives or frustration and doubt toward God. And in many Christian circles, it's seen as healthy to openly voice doubt and disillusionment toward God under the banner of honesty. Some churches even host what they call doubt nights for this very purpose, which I think is just very, very sad. Openly airing our sinful baggage and celebrating defeat or celebrating doubt towards God is not what it means to walk in the light as He is in the light. Counterfeit honesty in this context says, I'm a mess, you're a mess, so let's just be honest about it, and let's thank God that He loves messes like us. Now, it is true that God loves messes like us, but that is a twisting and a warping of biblical honesty. Biblical honesty says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. That's in 2 Corinthians 2.14. And the Bible says, our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, Romans 6.6. 6. Honesty about our spiritual struggles is certainly a very important step in the process of bringing secret sins into the light. And it's one of the most important things in walking clearly between ourselves and God and ourselves and other Christians. But it is not the only step. God's word says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, as it says in 1 John 1, 6. So confession of sin is the process of bringing our hidden vices and addictions and selfishness into the light, laying them at the feet of Jesus and allowing him to wash us clean. And then he tells us to repent, which means to turn and walk the other way. Think about the woman who was caught in adultery. What did Jesus say to her after he rescued her from her persecutors? Did he say, go and just be honest about your struggles? 
No, he actually said, go and sin no more. You can read about that in John 8, 11. So if we are being controlled by any kind of sin or sinful stronghold, confession is absolutely critical, first to God and then also to the trusted Christians that he's placed in our lives for accountability and spiritual exhortation. So ignoring the sin and acting like it doesn't exist is not the way we are called to walk. Being open and honest about the fact that we have these struggles is the first step toward freedom. Now, I should note that it's important to maintain propriety with what kinds of sin you confess to others when you're in mixed company. That should go without saying, but I did want to put that little caveat in there. But it's so important that we confess our sin to others with an attitude that says, I am choosing to repent of this sin and believe that God's power is sufficient to set me free from its bondage. It should never just stop with, hey, look at my mess. I just want to bring it out into the light and leave it there. We need to confess it in the sense that we believe God's power is sufficient to set us free from its bondage. And that is the reason we're bringing it into the light in the first place. So yes, let's be honest about our sin and our sinful struggles. But in the process, let's also not forget to be honest about the reality and the power of God's ability to transform us into new creatures in Christ, as we see in Galatians 5.17. Remember, because of Jesus' work on the cross and his enabling grace that dwells within us, we have the power to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's in Romans 6, 11. Our old man, our old self has been crucified with Christ. Therefore, we are free to no longer serve sin, but to walk in the light as he is in the light, as it says in Romans 6, 6 and 1 John 1, 17. So when we choose counterfeit honesty and we celebrate defeat instead of victory or doubt instead of faith, we diminish the most amazing gift that has ever been given, the gift of Jesus Christ and him crucified. So let's be sure that we are choosing to be honest about the victory that is possible in Jesus and not wallow in defeat and and just celebrate brokenness and defeat in and of itself. So we have talked about three different forms of counterfeit honesty and the biblical solution to each one of those. Discretion rather than just venting with no guardedness, honor versus criticism and gossip, and the victory that is in Christ, which needs to go along with our confession of sin rather than defeat. Remember, we have a short time here on this earth with which to reflect the beautiful nature of our Lord Jesus to a lost and dying world. So may our words become a catalyst for others to see him more clearly. As Colossians 4, 6 exhorts us, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. That is possible by the enabling power of God. When we build our lives around Jesus Christ and his pattern, our words will naturally reflect his honesty, his truth, and his nature. So let's choose by his grace to be real, to be honest the right way, his way. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into what it means to truly build a Christ-centered life, please see the many resources that we have for you at setapartgirl.com. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.